0: If you like Grant Fisher, I told him I'd give this shout-out, but he just came out with a new podcast called The Half-Step Pod. He's doing it with a former teammate of his, Connor Lane, and a really
1: good listen, behind-the-scenes action of what it's like to be a professional.
0: back once again to the Half Step Pod. I am your co-host Connor Lane across from me via Zoom. As always, my co-host Grant Fisher. Grant, how are you doing?
1: Doing great, man. Uh, yeah, happy to be back in Portland. Sun's been shining. Uh, got some great races to watch this weekend. Um, kind of feeling the the lag of of not having track or cross country on on TV uh, now, you know, in the days following. But um i wish track were on tv every day you know yeah yeah we got to talk to some people and make that happen it was a super
0: exciting weekend i'm I'm sure you're also feeling a little bit of lag this is going to be the first pod that we have that's maybe not you know a race recap of one of your races uh and obviously the race has been going pretty well recently so i guess it's new terrain for the pod as well uh which is which is going to be exciting we had a really big weekend uh this past weekend in the NCA, obviously right the combo meets that when that was announced back in like october november when they were like yeah we're just gonna move indoor to there where it normally is we're just gonna move to the same weekend i feel like 90 percent the NCA was like okay but there's no way that this will still be the plan in march right like there's no way it's still gonna happen and lo and behold we get to mid-march and we got people going for the double we got track on friday saturday and cross on monday on espn i mean yeah how did how did you feel about just was it as crazy to you that
1: it actually happened? I mean, I know you're not in the NCAA anymore, but you've been there. Yeah, man. It was it was surprising. Honestly, when it was first announced, uh, I also thought they were kind of just placeholder dates yeah. that uh, the higher-ups in, in the NCAA that don't really understand the sport just kind of threw some dates out there and didn't it realize that been. they were...
0: It, it could have <laughs> been that, and then it just happens. I feel like there's been a whole lot of stuff with with reactions to like the pandemic with sport that have been kind of like maybe not the most thought out. And then a lot of things that have been, but I could see that have actually been like a placeholder date and they just were like, okay, we're going to go with it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it did make for some very exciting storylines. Um, it made for a very exciting weekend if you're a track fan and it made for a lot of interesting dilemmas that I'm sure a lot of these coaches and athletes were going back and forth on, you know, whether it's a double which one to focus on? Which which event their team had the best shot at winning, or individuals had the best shot at winning? It, uh, yeah, it was it was really really interesting. Created uh, a lot of drama, in my opinion. So it, I I thought it turned out pretty well.
0: Yeah, I mean for a one time thing, it was a super cool experience. I, I'd imagine for the people who were there, it was super cool to observe. It definitely doesn't you know it should not be the norm like I, <laughs> ideally we don't combine two seasons like that but yeah it was cool to see the different strategies i mean oregon went and, and won you know indoor off of i mean they had performances in the sprints too and all of the events but especially off of their distance dominance and i mean those guys are like class the NCA regardless but you know they were able to get that done and then you know maybe there's a little bit less depth on the cross side or maybe those races there's a little bit less depth uh in the distance races at indoor because you know, teams like NAU, Notre Dame, like us, like we're focused more on cross. It's just, it's interesting to see that play out. I mean, everyone ran really well though. Like what those Oregon men accomplished in indoor, first of all, was like, was was very impressive. Obviously, no doubt.
1: Yeah, I think the the argument that either side was watered down, I, in my mind, doesn't hold much weight. You know, the, the performances that some of those Oregon distance guys put down, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. closing in 25, uh, with you know three races in 24 hours and for Cole, you know, that's 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 bordering on world class. I mean, that might yeah, even be world class, yeah. and and he's 19. Uh, Cooper, the same thing. Um, so so impressive what they did, you know, and and I and I hate Oregon, and I'll say that like <laughs> yeah, I, I that, respect right? what they did. Um, like so so impressive. Um, and uh, and then you look on the cross side, um. You know that that was a loaded race. Uh, I don't think you can make a great argument that it was that watered down no, because of yeah. people running in in the indoor meet. So, um, yeah, a, a lot of things to unpack there. But yeah, really, really impressive. Um, some of the teams, some of the individuals. Uh, I was impressed.
0: Well, and starting like starting off with just the one event you didn't really just talk about in indoor like like Kip T. runs a thirteen twenty three five k, which is yeah. way faster than it normally is not in indoor anyway. And I feel like eighth was way faster. It was like what thirteen thirty three. It was thirteen thirty low. Um, you know, I guess it, it was an honest race, and most usually those guys in that field are all capable of that kind of time. But it, yeah, it, like across the board, I don't think anything was too watered down, which was which was cool to see. It it obviously limits some opportunities for some guys who would uh maybe have wanted to do both and couldn't or didn't as effectively. But at the same time, we talked about this in in pod one, like guys having the opportunity to kind of train for March and train through the fall could have been really beneficial to why we see such good performances among a whole bunch of other reasons.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Tons of factors. Um, But when you get to a championship meet, everyone's racing each other. You know, those arguments uh, kind of become neutralized. Yeah. If, if you feel that the shoes are advantageous, you know, most people were wearing the shoes. Um, if you feel that the Arkansas track is advantageous, everyone was running on the same track. If you feel that having a big buildup was advantageous, everyone had the big buildup. So, um, those championships, um, were legit. And if you watch those races, they were, they were really, really special. In my opinion, like, I don't think you see that kind of excitement in every distance race, every year, indoors, uh, and same as cross-country. I don't think you see that level of excitement. Um, like, Wesley Kipty, for example, that 5K goes out in 201. I, I mean, that's pretty much world record pace. I, I, yeah, it's almost exactly world record pace. Um, like, that's insane. <laughs> and the paces that he was running out by himself um, as a track fan, like... I would consider myself a fan of the sport too. Um, that, I think, could have been hyped up a little more by the announcers, but it, it was it was crazy. I mean, I saw that split and I was like, this guy's going to blow up. That That's not how you run the five. <laughs> um, but, yeah, really impressive. That 5K, it did seem like almost the whole field PR'd. Um, and uh, a couple of those guys doubled back and crossed and ran ex- exceptionally well.
0: Yeah, uh, Adrian, what's his last name? Will shut. I'm gonna mispronounce that. Uh, he was what third in the five, second in cross. I mean, Wesley obviously doubled back. Yeah, that was that was really impressive to see um, across the board. It also, I mean, it speaks to training. I feel like we've also talked about this, but I mean, I, obviously neither of us were in that situation this past weekend. But sometimes you you think you need a lot more rest or recovery or down going into a race than you might actually need to still run well. You know. Like you get to a certain point in fitness and and you can – now you shouldn't be doing that kind of double every weekend, but you can manage it when maybe like it might seem ridiculous from the outset and it's probably super important to have a good mindset about it too. But I feel like with those things coming together, yeah. It, it's also interesting because I feel like – I mean, I, Iowa State was eighth, um, but you look at some of the guys who maybe did double back who were like up there in both, and I feel like not a lot of them were maybe attached to – those top teams in the cross meet itself, right? Like they didn't risk it basically, especially on the men's side. You know, women's side obviously they're running six K. It might be a little bit easier to come back two days later or a little bit safer to risk because, you know, you can it's four or less K. You can probably grid it out a little bit better. But yeah, like NAU, Notre Dame, uh I don't know did Oklahoma State have any guys at the indoor meet? That might have been uh I don't think so. I'm not so, really sure but they might have I think Arkansas had a couple. Like we didn't have anyone. We were fifth. You didn't have anyone. I mean, yeah, you definitely saw more of equipment. I think on the men's side, at least, to not wanting to jeopardize running a ten k on that course on that day, uh, which I thought was interesting. And then a lot of women, obviously, did double and do both meets, uh, and a lot of them had a lot of success in that. So it's just an interesting dynamic, seeing the differences. Definitely, like ten k will take a lot out of you. Uh, <laughs> today, in uh, in our little like team debrief, coach, what did coach say? Coach said. Uh, that that course Oklahoma State was the toughest course he had ever laid eyes on like just preliminarily <laughs> like looking at it right the I guess the I mean I don't know I seemed like the terrain wasn't terrible but just like with the way it rolled and, and and the different stuff going on in there so you definitely saw that kind of like grind fest of a cross-country course I mean yeah for from what all the guys were saying they it felt very similar a lot of them like felt like okay at 5k that we realistically could be done, and I'd feel about how I feel. <laughs> like I'm already in that hurt locker just that 5K. Uh, yeah, I was wondering what your impressions were from just watching it. Uh, did it seem like that much harder of a course compared to maybe what, like Wisconsin or Louisville or Terre Haute?
1: Um, yes. In short, <laughs> uh, you know when when you see videos or photos of hills, I feel like they usually don't look as steep as they feel in real life. Definitely. Um, and this, the hills look pretty steep on the broadcast. <laughs> it only goes so, to show. <laughs> yeah. So in real life, when you're running up them and you have 8K in your legs, uh, I'm sure those hills felt monstrous. Uh, you know, that course was, like you said, a grind course. Um, it didn't seem like a place where you can find the rhythm, mm-hmm. uh, find the flow. And I, I think like certainly when I was in college, I felt much more comfortable and better on the flat rhythm courses. Than the you know up and down hill courses, um, those would kind of throw off my rhythm a little bit. I I wasn't really like as good at grinding as as some of the other guys in the NCAA. I think um, so. I definitely respect what that course was. Uh, I've never been there in person, but it looked brutal, man. Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, in in saying that, the coverage was great. the The coverage was so cool. Like some of those drone shots um the split it, it updates really, were good i mean yeah, yeah the splits were great board yeah so uh i thought espn did a great job um kind of broadcasting that and and showing the rigors of the course and also like explaining strategy and how the course kind of dictates strategy and how you shape your strategy around the course um i think like some of those top runners those guys in that front pack uh it was really interesting the strategies that they chose. You know, there was a lot of movement in those in that front pack, and behind them, there was also really interesting strategies from certain teams. Notre Dame, for example, um, how those guys moved around a little bit and then found each other, ran together, um, and mostly finished together, and that proved to be a almost winning strategy, uh, yeah. which I think caught a lot of people by surprise. Um, so, that that was really. Really fascinating to see, like what strategies do these teams pick, and what strategies do these individuals pick? And you were watching the same race. What What did you think uh, about what was going on out there?
0: No, I mean, I think that that all of those points about strategy are are worth diving deeper into. I thought the lead pack was so interesting. I didn't watch the five k live. Uh, I saw the splits. I think it was like what thursday day or friday day or whatever and i was in the section for class and i just <laughs> by the time i turned on the meat uh that was done and they were moving on to dmr i uh but yeah when i saw that wesley went out in 201 i was like geez, that's just self-belief to a to an extreme and also you know just just knowing hey if i got there and run 201 i'm not going to hold 201 but no one else in this field is going to hold anything close to like keeping up that kind of pace and i can do it and you kind of I don't know. I don't I don't know him at all. I haven't talked to him about any of the strategy, but it kind of seemed like he was employing almost a similar method. He had no issues leading that thing from the front. And, dude, I mean, leading a cross-country race from the front is a lot different from leading a track race. I mean, maybe neither of them are that advantageous, but leading a 10K from the front early on like he was, and it seemed like he didn't really – I mean, I'd love for your opinion on this too. It seemed like he didn't really care what everyone else was doing around him or behind him. He was going at his pace – uh, we saw that that guy from Hofstra went with him for a little bit. Uh, they fell off. Mance's group, like that second group, was kind of just doing their thing, and then they ended up converging on him. And, yeah, I wonder if, if Wesley Kipty regrets, like, maybe not just being a little bit more conservative and being like, okay, I'll, just, I'll stay in this group until a, a few K to go because he had run such a fast 5K a few days earlier. And, you know, he potentially could outkick those guys with a smarter strategy maybe uh, because of how talented he is. I mean, Mance is an ultimate grinder and he certainly deserves to win. And he just absolutely broke those dudes. But yeah, I wonder what you thought about that kind of strategy, the front running from the Iowa state guy, Wesley Kip to if like, if, I mean, it works if you're that much fitter than everyone else. And obviously he was in that 5k uh, on, on Friday night, but then going into Monday, a 10k, you've already raced difficult conditions. It seemed like it was pretty windy. You know, there's, there's all these other variables, how does you know? How does that play into maybe like the decision making? I know you you wouldn't make the decision to front run like that anyway. But like, what do you think about
1: it? <laughs> yeah, man. Um, one thing I I've noticed about some of the best cross country runners in the NCAA over the years is they have a really fine tuned understanding of kind of how hard they can go. Like they understand like how close they can get to the red line before going over. And I think in that race specifically, that was a skill that really paid off for a guy like Connor Mance. Like it it seemed like he was, he was going like from quite a ways out. It looked like, um, I mean, his style is kind of like, it looks like he's grinding often (laughs) um, even early in a race, but he doesn't often go over the line and go off the deep end and blow up that often. Um, I can't really think of too many occasions where I've seen that with him. And I think that's characteristic of a lot of really good cross country runners. They can, they know where that line is. And I think, I think Wesley Kipdu has a very good understanding of where that line is too. Um, it was just, you know, so someone was better than him on the day. Um, and that course I think rewards someone that has a very good understanding of themselves in that regard. For example, you know, if, If you're at 8k and you realize you went over the line and the legs are starting to feel like like lead the course will punish you very quickly much more than you can just like kind of muscle through a flat course if you go over the line too early i you'll get punished there's there's no way around it on a course like that Um, so all of those top guys when they were in that pack kind of going back and forth it was interesting to see where guys chose to use their energy and where guys chose to kind of make little surges. Um, because like I said, you don't want to cross over that line and go into, into the twilight zone. Um, if you may call it that. So yeah, I, I thought man's did a great job. Um, he clearly knows himself very well and, uh, that'll serve him well in the future. Um, yeah, Adrian Wildschut did a great job too. Uh, I thought he ran a really, really smart race. And uh, yeah, to dive more into some of the team running, obviously, NAU crushed it. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, they're a well-coached team. Uh, Mike Smith is a great coach. Uh, again, NAU would be a team that I would put in the hate category, just because I always wanted to beat them. Um, I don't think it's like a, a true, deep, deep-hearted hate. Yeah, but more just know. like yeah. I want to beat those guys. <laughs> of course. Um, and same with same with what I mentioned with Oregon. That's like, what I was gonna say. I don't know if we have any like true
0: hatred rivals, unless I'm overlooking something. I guess we're supposed to hate Cal too, but I don't. <laughs> I don't know. We don't like Cal, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's that extreme. It's nothing like a, like a Duke, Carolina kind of hate, like just college rivalries yeah. or something.
1: No, I, I think it's it's more of like a you want to beat them so bad. Of course. And like you you get pretty revved up. Before races, and like you know, you want to put your fifth man in front of uh, whoever you're trying to beat's fifth man, and I think that manifests itself as like I don't know if hate's the right word. It's also like a- NAU's use a great program, so I wouldn't say it's like jealousy either. I think it's like you just want to beat them, of course. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, it, I digress anyway. <laughs> the, the NAU team ran great, Nico Young, super impressive, their pack super impressive yeah uh notre dame also did a great job uh that pack was was incredible i mean you know if if nau weren't a thing like weren't a powerhouse notre dame would have won that meet And it would have been crazy yeah yeah that they they did a great job again well coached um takes a lot of discipline to run in a pack like that in a hard course uh and execute a plan um I'll, i'll shout out um I'll shout out my Stanford boys yeah uh, had had some young guys leading the charge um, i I actually got some feedback about our podcast that someone someone said that uh, we're we're biased towards Stanford uh, to answer <laughs> that, that that would that, be correct that statement that, that is correct yes uh, I went to Stanford if if you didn't know Connor is a current Athlete at Stanford. are currently have we're, we're biased. Yeah. three pieces we're, we're biased of posing with Stanford. Stanford on them. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're biased towards Stanford. Anyway, um, yeah, those young guys ran great. Um, they yeah. did a great job all season, um, really led the charge, and weren't afraid to attack the course. And, and they showed that at every venue that they've been at, Definitely. I, at least as like an observer. It seems like they weren't afraid. No, um, they were not. That's how yeah. you have to be in cross
0: yeah. Yeah. Diving deeper into those guys. I mean, yeah, we were fifth, which obviously you want a trophy. Um, you know, we wanted to probably run better, but talking to all the guys who raced, um, each of them up and down the lineup, I don't think that, you know, I think that everyone gave it their most, you know, for what they had on the day, which, you know, is I guess like the running version of just no one like choked or fell apart. It was just, Hey, some guys woke up and, you know, like it was a it was a B minus kind of feeling uh, on on the day, and and you go and do what you can with that. And uh, I don't know if we had an A, like a top tier day, if we could have you know put four in the top ten. Uh-huh. Anyway, but no, certainly uh, guys gave it what they had, and then we had a couple young guys in the in the front who were doing a great job. I mean, Charles Hicks in fourteenth, and and Cole Sprout in fifteenth, and then uh, Kai Robinson are are and our true freshman from Australia and I think 46 just outside of all American. And then all of our older guys who've, who've been there before um, bringing it up. And yeah, I think that we're all disappointed. I mean, whenever you're that close to being on the podium, you know, and that's kind of our expectation year in, year out. It's, it's frustrating, but it is, it is cool to see the young guys running so well. It's an awesome thing. And also a non-ideal thing. Uh, we love it because uh we love that they're so fearless and that, that they're able to shoot for that. Uh, And it's, it's not great because we want to put more guys around them, put guys who have been here around them. And, you know, that's not just about the seven, eight guys who are at the meet. It's about guys who are back home as well. Like myself um, coming out of injury and, you know, like guys in my grade who are here. um, There's definitely this obligation, like we need to go and help out and, and be part of that. And I think when you see three freshman eligible guys leading your team, as an older guy, it's much more like, dang, you know, we gotta, we gotta do whatever we can to be out there next year, um, or even just in, in track moving forward, and, and pull our weight uh, of the program. But it, it is also just special to see the young guys doing, doing so well and, and being so fearless. I think that's so important to running good races in or out. You know, I've had, I guess this is a little bit of a digression, but I've had just this take on the collegiate system where. Your worst—I mean, don't blow up, obviously, ever. <laughs> like, try not to. But your worst days aren't really the ones that are going to be like recorded and and remembered, right? It's 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 what you can do on your maximum days when when you're when you're able to really hit it well. And that's not just like how you're feeling pre-race, but it's just when you're really able to stick in it and and gut through something and have a good performance. And you know, in cross country at NCA's, it the team aspect matters a ton, and you don't want to risk that line and potentially blow up. But at the same time. Uh, I am a fan of what these young guys are doing in going for it and, you know, potentially failing, but still running really solid races off of that. I think there's no reason to be super conservative in, in, in the NCA system. It, it doesn't really reward that. Um, as long as you can, you know, kind of... Be comfortable not completely blowing up i think it's it's always worth it to take that risk um and try to hang in there and and go you know we saw charles do that at pac-12s uh where he tried around with lalo for a little bit uh you know we've seen guys do that throughout the year that that to me seems like the way to go you know because if you pop a couple of those and you put up some real times like that is what i don't know kind of culminates the NCA scene that's what kind of moves you on to the next levels too so I don't. I mean, you can probably speak on that. You had a very consistent college career, but I've just I've been thinking about that a lot. I feel like it totally makes sense to kind of shoot for it, like those guys have been doing. You know, there's not that much of a negative to it.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a great way to put it. Um, you know, sometimes kind of like I mentioned, riding that line. Sometimes you got to go over the line to, to know where it is. Um, if if you always are conservative, if you never overextend yourself, you'll never know how how far you can go or how fast you can go or where that line is and you know it sucks when you go over the line sometimes that manifests itself in an injury sometimes it's just a bad race sometimes it's you just start feeling flat in training but i think finding that line is really really important and once you find it you can kind of operate just below it um or or know how to cycle and progress your training um such that like, you don't quite go over it or, or maybe you go over it once or twice, but um, you never push the needle too far. Um, you never kind of get in that, that uh, overextended zone. Um, and in order to do that, you can't be afraid. Like, you can't be afraid of blowing up. You can't be afraid of what other people are going to say. And uh, that's hard to do, especially as a freshman, especially mm. as a young kid on a college team. Um, I certainly didn't have that attitude when I was a freshman. Uh I was more of a a follow the leaders type, you know? Um I I was almost afraid of overextending myself. I think it took me a while to to like kind of shift that mindset of of almost fear of like getting hurt or fear of doing too much um and turn that into a mindset of like figuring out how good I can be and in that process you're you're going to you're gonna fall on your face at some point, um, so yeah. I to to piggyback off of what you said, I completely agree.
0: People look at your college career and they see, uh, your career in general, and I'm sure they see like a lot of really consistent performances. But there have definitely been times where, you know, you you've fallen flat in your face. I know for me, it's been more falling flat on my face in terms of injury specifically, and then that's just a super frustrating process to try to get out of when you know you're so hell bent on like pushing that maximum and being like, Oh, we're just going to send it, send it, send it, you know, at a certain point you have to try to be smart and rational. And that's kind of your only way to progress through, but it's certainly been exciting to see what these guys have been doing. And, you know, we've been, we've had a really fortunate year being like health wise for, for all the guys, uh, which has been really exciting. But yeah, uh, you know, fifth up until that race, we won or come in second in every meet. And I think we're really proud of that. Obviously the guys raced pack 12 just a week ago. Um, and I know that was a really tough effort for them. Uh, not 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 even to make any excuses for that, but like I think that all in all, you got to look back on these weeks and be at least proud of, you know, the effort we put forth. And if not like pumped about the result, at least you know we we like I said, talking to all the guys, all seven of them, like they all gave what they had on that day, and you didn't see any quitting them, and you didn't see any complete like falling apart or collapsing. So you have to kind of take that, and then you know just hope in a year it's like a better feeling on the day or like we're, you know, we're fitter or just slightly better trained, whatever those missing ingredients are. And it gives you that little bit extra.
1: Yeah. To, to kind of, to go more into that, you know, I'd love to hear kind of more about what it was like going into this cross country season. And I'm sure people listening might like to hear a firsthand uh, perspective of, um, you know, what was the conversation going into this entire season for cross country? Because it was a different, it was a different season for sure um you didn't have the same set out schedule from the beginning of the year on what meets you're going to hit um you had your covid restrictions uh what was the the general give me a general overview of the cross country season from a uh college athlete's perspective
0: yeah i mean oh well, i think especially from a stanford athlete's perspective because this has been unique for us right. maybe even in most schools um you know, Charles just posted an Instagram that had like half of what I'm about to say in his caption. So everyone go follow Charles Hicks to see that. <laughs> <laughs> he just did it um, while we were recording. So, yeah, I feel like it starts with, you know, we didn't get the opportunity to come back to campus in the fall uh, when a lot of teams were able to live off campus and just continue using their facilities just because we're, you know, housing is... It's Always university owned housing on Stanford uh, for your four years of undergrad just because of like price control and, and how difficult it is to live in the area. So, a lot of the guys went to Utah to train, and then some of us stayed at our respective homes and were just it was a pretty detached feeling overall, even for the guys in Utah. It's still not the same, obviously, as you know, being on campus training. Uh, and there was no fall season, but a lot of teams didn't have a fall season, it's just we weren't all together, uh, we weren't on campus, we didn't have access to. All that stuff but that's not a big deal because a lot of teams kind of train in that way year round you know a lot of teams don't have the the opportunities and the the equipment and that kind of stuff that we do have so we're grateful for that but yeah we uh we weren't sure we were going back because we thought we were going back in the fall and that got canceled and then uh yeah it wasn't until early mid-january that we were concretely going to come back on january 24th uh and you know january 24th is what seven weeks from nationals. Uh, We didn't have a schedule. At that point, everyone who made the decision to come back made the decision to come back without the promise of racing at all that season. Uh, Due to Santa Clara, like the county Stanford's in, due to their county regulations regarding COVID, if you left the county to do an athletic competition or practice or anything, you could not come back to the county and resume practicing or competing or anything until uh, our tier level of quarantine went down. It didn't matter if you waited 10 days, 20 days a year, you would have to wait until they dropped the quarantine level. Uh, so we thought that they would end up dropping those levels and we'd be able to go compete at places, but you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't until we got out here that they actually did that. So we all had a 10 day quarantine. We didn't get out of that obviously until February 2nd. Uh, that was, so we found out like February 1st that we were going to go compete at FSU uh, for the guys who were healthy and who were racing. So our first day out of quarantine, we were able to get, or the guys who were racing, got on a flight basically to FSU and, uh, you know, found out like 48 hours in advance of the race they were racing. Uh, They went there, they raced, honestly, really solid efforts. It kind of reminded me of, dude, uh, my sophomore year when there was the bus fire. Uh, on the way to seattle i guess you were already racing uh you were running dmr that night but a lot of us got on the bus uh that caught fire on the on the highway going into seattle and we all were safe obviously but after that i remember like we were just stranded on the side of the road for a while we finally got in and everyone you know it really changed your perspective in the sense of it's not so much about your 5k you're about to run man it's much more about like hey i'm alive and i'm here and i'm I'm just really <laughs> grateful to get to race at all or, or be here which is corny i know it's corny as hell but it it does definitely shift your perspective i remember i uh just to continue going on this tangent because i think it's cool um i did a shakeout with berg that like next morning and he was running the mile and i remember we were just like dude if there's ever a time to, like go for break and four i mean like this does not matter. Like we just almost died. Like our bus basically like half exploded on the interstate. Like this is just, I mean, it, also like if you run poorly, everyone's going to be like, Oh, it was the meat that the bus caught on fire. So it makes, it makes <laughs> you, sense. You've got nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. Like all our clothes smelled bad. And we were like getting to the hotel super late. It was like, whatever. And, um, Berg broke four and that was sick. And it wasn't because our bus caught on fire. It was because he's a very good runner, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. It it felt like that kind of vibe when the guys went to FSU. Fortunately, no crashes or explosions, but it was definitely like, okay, we're going to do this meet, and then they went, and they did it, and uh, they won that one, and then we went back to Vegas for the first time uh, a couple weeks after that, and we were second NAU, and that was another really good performance. Both those courses are decently flat and good terrain, though, so I don't know if they were the best prep for uh, Oklahoma State, I don't think anything could have been great prep for Oklahoma state, except for that course, which we didn't have an opportunity to run, but they were still, our coaches did a great job of giving us the best opportunities that we could get. You know, those were probably the best meets happening in the, uh, this winter quarter. Uh, and we were able to attend them because of that great work with our staff, just like getting everyone on board and getting us out there, which was sick. And then obviously PAC 12s, which was at chambers Bay in Washington. And, uh, looked like a pretty up and down course as well with some you know it looked a little wet with just like some thicker terrain but yeah i mean all those meets we had this really good progression of of you know cole and charles were up front and then a solid pack and uh you know we were fortunate to stay to stay healthy throughout most of the season callum started off with i'm sure he'd be comfortable with me saying this he won't listen to the pod anyway uh, <laughs> he started off with a little bit of like some hiccups i think physically and then kind of because he he what he didn't go to FSU, but then he was at Vegas and he was at Pac-12s and he raced nationals and every other guy on the team was just healthy completely all the way through, um, which is kind of rare for any college team, I think, but we were fortunate to have that. And, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, to, to answer this, like, this bigger question, though, of, like what it was like, it, you know, I think a lot of us made the decision to come back because we knew we'd train with each other and we hoped we'd be able to compete in the national meets, but it was much more about just, like, Trying to resume some sense of normalcy, and I don't think I realized until I got back here how much that had been missing in my life. um Getting access to the training room, to allergies, to treatment, to your teammates every day, to getting to work out with people, with your coaches present—you know, those are all super important things that I think do stretch out, kind of, you know, how successful someone can be on a regular basis. And you know, again, it's not like an excuse because we didn't have that. I mean. I think anyone can train on their own and still train effectively but it just it's been really invigorating the last 10 weeks to be back and actually have access to those things again uh you know to like all of all the people in our department like coach thomas or you know like josh or tammy just people that you know that you've worked with um just everyone in that department that that's stuff that you miss and that it's been awesome to get back and kind of have it feel somewhat normal because from march until we got back on campus things didn't I don't think for any of us felt like they didn't really feel like normal life. You know, it felt like we were kind of in a holding pattern. So it's nice to, it was nice to have NCA's to build towards. Um, you know, our team really completely focused on cross. Uh, none of the distance guys went to the indoor meet that we went to. And we were, really, we were only able to go to one because we were in quarantine until February. And uh, so, yeah, it really wasn't much of a decision. I, you know, very little was happening on the West coast that we were able to get into. Uh, yeah, so it was always focused on cross, and I don't know. It was it felt like a really cool moment of everyone coming together for these weeks here, because we all had to buy in, we all had to do things the right way and be smart. And uh, yeah, I mean, and it's been relatively isolating, but the moments you get to be with the team are definitely worth it.
1: Yeah, because you guys are and are and have been living in
0: a hotel, right? Oh yeah, we. Sh- I'm glad. I'm glad you said that because we should bring up the fact that. I'm recording from Studio Two Zero Five Two in the Sheridan Palo Alto, which is my <laughs> hotel room number, which is where I've been for the last ten weeks, and I'm comfortable saying that because checkout is tomorrow, <laughs> so no one's no one's going to be coming by the room with that information now. Um, we're moving on to campus finally in Govco, which you know well because it's where you lived as a uh, as a soft, as a junior
1: junior and senior which is
0: crazy oh, I, yeah, yeah. Or I lived nearby year. when I was a senior yeah that was that was better but junior year in in actual GovCo right that yeah. was the which is a freshman <laughs> and sophomore dorm and it's not typically your arrangement for juniors um yeah we're moving into there tomorrow so we got to move everything um but yeah we've been living out of hotel rooms which is tough because we're not really able to like hang out maybe as much as we'd like. We, we have these like household groups assigned by university where we're allowed to hang out with a certain amount of people indoors uh, without masks if we've all been abiding by the procedures and are getting tested three times a week like we are. But being in the hotel, it just makes it really difficult because everyone's spread out like across the whole deal. And you know, it's just, it's not as convenient as being in dorms with everyone. So I think as a team, we're super excited to get into that uh experience and and kind of have rooms that feel like we actually we actually are living in there uh hotel's been nice for a lot of things but yeah i think that just that connectedness as a team um as long as we continue you know following the procedures doing the right things and you know still not gathering as like large groups just doing what the county allows us to um i think we're all super excited to finally get to like kind of live in the same
1: area as opposed to being spread out and just in our own hotel room and and that leads into track season as well. Outdoor track have have the coaching or have the coaches discussed outdoor track with you guys, or has it kind of been hey let's focus on cross and deal with outdoor when uh, when everyone comes down from that?
0: No, I mean they're really good at multitasking. We got guys who didn't race NCAAs who are racing this weekend at Sac State, the classic Sac State early bird meet. That's probably not what it's called, but I just remember that's that's always when it is right. It's the weekend after indoor. <laughs> It's always you know, sending some guys up to run a 15 in like 90 degree weather at Sac State. Um, yeah, we got a bunch of guys doing that. And then Stanford invite is, uh, April 3rd and that's the only home meet we have this year just cause of, you know, everything <laughs> like the, ne- the nebulous cloud of circumstance that is just like COVID, especially in the Bay area. We only have the one home meet. Um, and I, that'll be pretty limited. I don't know if like y'all will come for example.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure if, if pros are allowed. I think yeah, like I don't even from know. what I had heard. I think
0: that's a college only meet. Yeah, exactly. Which you know, well, there are good college runners for sure, but that also changes things too. Um, and then I think nothing's, or maybe things are set in stone, but just not been communicated to us yet. Which is like it doesn't really matter because uh, we know that they're getting the right stuff done for us. But I think we're going to Oregon at some point, uh, maybe for that one in Eugene or one of the homies that they're doing. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's kind of it for our team for now. Uh, do you have any more updates on your racing schedule? Last time we talked, you had no plans yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, um actually got some info out of Jerry over the past few days. Um, USATF is putting on a bunch of meets. I think there's 10 meets. Uh, I, for- I forget the names that they are. It's something about like, road to Tokyo or road to gold or, or some, some series that they're putting on, but 10 different meets, uh, all different events. Not every meet has okay, yeah. um, every yeah. single event, but, uh, there's a couple with good distance races. Uh, so we're checking those out. Uh, we are most likely going to go up to altitude kind of mid April. Um, so a race would most likely happen right before going up or a month after going up. Just because when you go to altitude, you want to stay up for the first 20 days or so uh, straight and not go back to to sea level because that's kind of when your body produces all the the new red blood cells and stuff. So you don't want to interrupt that process. Um, So, yeah, we're we're discussing a 15. um, So that could be fun. Haven't run a 15 in a little while. And, uh, yeah, maybe a few 15s, maybe a 3K, maybe a 5. Have you thought about asking them to make it a mile just to finally get the... (laughs) Nah, man, I, I like, I kind of like having the, like old, old mile PR. It's really kind of <laughs> funny, you know? Um, of course, PR hilarious. Since high school, A 358 <laughs> mile or whatever. It's so, that'd be yeah, so 59. Sad if, 59.
0: Th- yeah, it's still faster than me. <laughs> so hilarious. So slow. Oh my God. I, <laughs> do you think people know I'm being sarcastic? I feel like most of, most
1: of the people we know who listen to this would know. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> okay. We'll just, we'll just keep yeah. moving. But, yeah, that, that's kind of the general map uh, leading into the trials. And then I'll be at altitude up until the day or, – or up until maybe two days before my race at the trials. Oh, wow. Uh, so we'll drop down and race pretty quickly. I didn't um, realize
0: that. I didn't realize that was your plan. Uh, yeah, is that, yeah. Is that the same like reason, like with, just with the way that the blood works kind of?
1: Yeah, so, so that's a blood-related plan. Um, so basically when you're at altitude, your body – produces more red blood cells, to, to put it, like to simplify it, I guess. Um, and when you drop down to sea level, the idea is you're able to better process oxygen because of your increased, increased red blood cell count. Um, and in theory, you'll be able to run faster. Um, basically, when you go down to sea to level, after a while, your body starts getting rid of those extra red blood cells because it realizes that you're not at altitude anymore. Uh, and you don't figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) So unfortunately you kind of have to race pretty immediately when you get back. Um, and everyone feels differently when they come down. Some people like coming down and racing immediately. Some people think they feel flat for the first few days, or there are other people that say you feel flat between three day three and day seven
0: a dumb question would you do this then if it was your first you've had experience now at altitude but if you were like a rookie and you'd never gone up you wouldn't probably do it going into the trials segment
1: right (laughs) i would be nervous doing it my first time because because my first few camps went kind of poorly uh to be quite honest and i was pretty exhausted by the end uh i'd be a little hesitant to do it if, if it was your first time going to altitude um the older guys on the team have told me that like every time you go up it gets easier. you know there's other research papers out there that show that each time you go up you get a bigger boost and you adapt a little faster so it's nice to have a few of these camps under your belt so I'm happy yeah. to have gone through the uh the dark period of <laughs> uh of of yeah eternal suffering at seven and eight thousand feet uh, but yeah that's the plan. I cannot
0: wait to get deeper into this because steven was steven fahey was texting me after the last pod and he was like that was so interesting that grant said he'd never finished a full workout until uh
1: <laughs> until like this camp or whatever altitude also to to touch on the never finishing a workout at altitude comment sure. i had a few people ask me about that um yeah to to be to be clear um like i was getting dropped was what was happening not that i would just like it was like, ah, I'm done, you know? To be clear, I am still good at running. <laughs> <laughs>
0: or I was still good at running, quote, Grant uh, No, I mean, that, that's Alton. what was happening. I,
1: I was just outclassed. Like, I just wasn't as good as those guys, mm. uh, to, to put it simply.
0: Well, yeah, it's interesting that, like, I mean, we don't need to get into specifics of, like, the way the workouts are designed, but... That you could be outclassed and still be assigned the same splits in the first place. I guess it's more of like a trial by fire, like let's see what you got kind of deal. And like obviously, with the understanding, you can step off or, you know, you can drop, and it's not like it's the end of the world. But with, with it, I get that's where maybe like I was initially like, wow, because I would have expected you might have been given slightly different splits then in that adjustment period, or I don't know what the thought process was with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, generally, um, generally the attitude was slightly different during those camps, because at that point the Olympics had been postponed. So there wasn't really gonna be a consequence to like going over the line a little bit. Like uh, like I came out of those camps a little tired for sure, but there weren't huge consequences in like not making a team or like not doing well at a US championship because mm-hmm. they just didn't exist. So um, it was a little bit of trial by fire. Um and yeah, there are some some great stories of how aggressively I've been blown up by some of the older guys on some of these reps. um they need to hold something over you now,
0: <laughs> actually no, they've all still run like sub thirteen so, so yeah, yeah I, I don't
1: even know if I'm in the faster half of my team in yeah, the five so whatever so um but yeah it's it it's going better now, so I'm happy with that um. But it, yeah, it was a little trial by fire for a little while. And I, I think it, it also had to do with at altitude, like you can, you can blow up quickly. Like all of a sudden you're, you're fine and then 10 steps later you're dead and you're just going backwards. Um, anyone who's worked out at altitude before I'm sure has found that, that feeling before of you know the, the fatigue sets on very quickly. Uh, and I was not used to that <laughs> caught me by surprise a few times. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, a li- little clarification. I, I wasn't just like, I wasn't quitting the workouts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Grant. Well, you, you know what time of the week it is. Uh, took, it took a hiatus last week, right? I don't think we did one, but, uh, that was because you ran a world number one time in the five can. We were distracted uh it is the return of everyone's favorite weirdest dm grant has received recently and i'll i'll just let you take this one from here
1: yeah um yeah this one's actually an interesting one probably more interesting than the last one um i received a message uh it appeared to have been uh sent through google translate um it wasn't perfect english uh, so i think i think it was translated um the, the gist of it that i could understand was asking me for uh feet pics so pictures mm-hmm. of my feet um oh they, and they know I, what
0: they know what those are
1: grant yeah and i Our didn't respond know. i didn't respond and after a while i the the guy re, like wrote me again and said like <laughs> here's an example basically and sent me a picture of his feet um <laughs> and you know i, I I love that in case you didn't
0: know, like in case, maybe the translation (laughs) was off. He wasn't sure if you knew what. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: um, I, I decided not to send pictures of my bare feet back, uh, out of fear of what this guy was going to do with them. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, everybody's into what they're into. Like, I'm not going to knock like what, what this guy's trying to get, get, uh, pictures of, I guess, but. I feel like runner's um, feet though, (laughs) like, especially, are just relatively gross i don't know yeah a little strange um yeah i know i mean i'm not into feet but yeah i guess this guy (laughs) is into feet um fair enough i guess But i'm not sending you pictures of my feet no Um, so yeah that's the weirdest dm i've gotten recently um i I, don't encourage i'm not gonna say keep them coming don't encourage them no this has (laughs) to i feel
0: like it makes it like like this this was before we started doing any of these podcasts, so this was purely organic, and I guess we're all for like weird d m s whatever make us laugh, but at the same time, like I feel like we're gonna try to pull from people who for sure don't mean it entirely as the joke. I don't know, I guess I'm kind of putting that out there, but yeah, like like that that's a weird thing that that <laughs> this whole this whole foot story is uh that's up there, and I feel like you know we're gonna be able to tell when it's that kind of weird authentic
1: energy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna out this guy and say his name, but no, oh. I was kind of, I was laughing. It was pretty funny. <laughs> nah,
0: well, uh, well, there you have it, folks. Another another week in the life of uh, Grant's just filthy Instagram DMs. Uh, is there anything that we need to add on here before we before we wrap it up?
1: Yeah, I uh, just want to thank everybody for, if you're still listening, uh, thanks for <laughs> listening. Um, but also, any questions that people have sent through, uh, we got a bunch on. Uh, NCAA's and uh, a bunch on like what it was like to run on a D1 team this year, specifically at Stanford for Connor. So hopefully we answered some of those questions. Um, and, uh, yeah, and and in a future pod, uh we'll definitely we'll
0: definitely make sure to answer more. Uh when things are a little bit more downcycled and there's not these ridiculous NCA doubles that are occurring or grants own races. <laughs> but no, just just going off that before we finish it up. Uh yeah, shout out Liam who asked the main question we were pulling from here with navigating COVID on a collegiate team. I want to do a good job of of shouting out the people who ask us questions that make it to air just cuz you know, we, we, we appreciate all the support. Uh, like we said a couple episodes or I guess last episode, like I've been really pleasantly surprised with, I don't know, people listening and reaching out and contacting us. It's been, it's been really cool to feel that support. I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah, absolutely. man. Great. Well, uh, on that note, I'm not forgetting anything, am I? I mean, the Hornets are six in the East. They're, they're making, <laughs> they're, they're making a run uh, Steven was texting me all day today telling me about how LaMelo's going to win Rookie of the Year. P.J. Washington was hanging 40 the other day on the Kings. I mean, this the, te- the team is taken off. Uh, Pistons are still... that. You got rid of Blake. You made, you yeah, made that Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a step. That's a step. It's one small step. The Wings and the Hurricanes played two games. Uh, they split them, which was not good for the Canes because we're a good hockey team. and <laughs> we, And we should have gotten four points out of it. But you take what you can get, I guess. I don't know. I mean, just a tough time to be a Detroit sports fan, if we're being honest. you got to adopt some teams in the meantime.
1: Yeah, no, I can only celebrate past past Detroit sports teams, I think. You know, maybe put on my Steve Eiserman jersey and, and remember what the Red Wings used to be. But I, I think that's all I got right now. There's not too much to get too excited for uh, currently for Detroit sports teams.
0: That's true. And you're are you a Michigan State fan or a Michigan fan? Your dad went to Michigan State. No, am I making no that no?
1: Mind? My dad went to Arizona State. Arizona uh, my State. sister went to Michigan for a bit. Okay. Um, so I'd say I, I have an affinity towards U of M.
0: Okay. Well, they're they're in the tournament these upcoming weeks. So at least you got that Stanford basketball like. Ugh. Man, dude, they were they were doing really well early on in the season, and then they lost in the first round, like Pac-12 championship to Cal by <laughs> like twenty. It sucked. We lost to Cal last year by twenty, or I think it just didn't matter because COVID happened like the next day, or something. Or maybe that was two years ago. I feel like we keep losing to Cal in the tourney, which sucks because we're better than that. Um, that was disappointing. I thought we had a good team this year, man. I thought I thought we could enter. The women are our number one seed, just doing great work on that side. So uh, we got we got
1: them to root for these next couple of weeks at least yeah i mean i'm looking forward to march madness everything going on so yeah it's a uh, it's cool sports are kind of coming around again i feel like there's a little low for a little bit but yeah they're they're coming back sports are fun
0: that's that's <laughs> the message ncaa's was fun uh thank you all for tuning in and we will catch you next week on the half step pod yeah see you guys